You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Tonight I want to start a little bit of a mini-series. Uh, uh, over the next couple of months I'll be preaching a little bit, and so each time that I preach I want to, uh, I guess, tackle a, a topic that we would take for granted. And so the, the, the title of my series is called Beyond Basics. Because uh, often you can walk into a place like this, you can walk into church, and you take for granted what we do and why we do it. And, uh, and, and so you can sometimes miss the profundity, you can sometimes miss the significance of what we do. Uh, it just becomes part of, 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 of walking in, it becomes part of the service. But have you ever asked yourself, why do we do the things that we do? So I want to answer uh, one question tonight. And uh, like, for example, uh, you know, how when, when we say, oh, you know, put your hands together and pray, where did that come from? Well, I'm going to tackle that in a couple of weeks, but, um, you know, it's actually, that's actually not a biblical thing. It's actually a, a, a habit from medieval times that was adapted to Christianity. So I want to have a look at why we do the things that we do. And tonight I want to have a look at why do we sing in church? And, uh, and so maybe you're here tonight and you don't sing in church because you don't think that you can sing. Well, I want to have a look at, at tonight why we sing in church. Why is it such a, uh, a core part of what we do? Is it just to fill time? Is it just to uh, just just so that everybody's a bit more excited when when the speaking starts, or is there actually a deeper meaning and a more profound meaning to why we sing? And so I want to have a look at a couple of things tonight. Uh, we'll go back into the Hebrew side of things, so you're going to walk away educated, going to be able to speak Hebrew uh, fluently, um, and then we'll, I also want to look at why do songs get stuck into our heads. You know, why, why, why are those, the, those little earworm songs that whenever you, like when you hear it, you're like, oh dang, that's it, that's me for the rest of the day. This song is going to be playing in my head for the next week. Why is that? I want to have a look at that. We'll get into a little bit of science. So we've got everything tonight. So you're in for a treat. But songs have the ability, whether it be in church or out of church, they have the ability to bypass our normal processing uh, that they have the ability to 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 bypass our, our, cognitive, our cognitive brain and wedge themselves in our heart, and, uh, and, and it, to the point where a certain song can take you back to a place, it can take you back to a person, it can even take you back to a taste. Uh, I was I was watching I was listening to a song and a weird story, but for some bizarre reason, it just took me back to canned tuna. I don't know why, but I, when I heard that song, I thought to myself, gee, can of tuna, I could go a tin of tuna right now. But it, it's, it's, it's insane how songs can do that to us. And, and is, it's, is it just melody? Is it just lyrics? I actually think it's deeper than that. So we're going to have a look at why we sing. Why can songs take us back? Is singing worship? Why do we sing together? And then possibly one of the greatest excuses, I don't sing in church because I can't sing. We're going to have a look at that tonight. And uh, so before, before we get into it, I want to have a look at a passage of Scripture because the Apostle Paul actually encourages us to sing. He encourages us to sing, and not just you know, in church and as part of a service. He encourages us to sing in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, verses 15 to 20. We have a look. It says, So be careful how you live, 
don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymnas and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. I don't understand why there's a P. don't understand why there's an N. It just seems like a waste of letters. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, we can come into your presence. And, and Lord, that your word can transform us. But Lord, deeper than your word, you can speak to us through song. And Lord, we just pray tonight that as we just... Uh, lean into your word that, Lord, we would, we'd just get a deeper understanding of your love for us and we get a deeper understanding of why we are wired the way that we are in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I was listening to the radio yesterday and they were talking about the Cole song, you know, the down, down, prices are down, you know the song? Yeah, just, it's one of those things that gets stuck in your head, but apparently they're ditching it. Uh, apparently it's run its course. I think it's been going for now seven years and, uh, but, but there is big money in people that can write ditties or songs or adaptations of songs that can get lodged into your head. Now, there's a few. Uh, there's the Cole song, obviously. Uh, if I said the number 13006555506, it's, what is it? It's the reading and writing hotline. Um, I, don't know, I don't know why that's, that sticks with me, uh, but... It does, and if I ever needed to read and write, I'd know which number to call. Um, so advertising has worked. But there is big money in these things. Uh, there's big money in, you know, anybody remember the Lubemobile song? Lubemobile will come to you. What's the number? The 13, 30, 32. It's the number. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, see? I'm just... Uh, for the record, there are no advertising rights. I'm not getting paid to do this sermon. Uh, this is, but there's, there's big money in it because it actually, it's proven that it sells product. If people can remember the song or it, it links a memory to the song, it's proven that it moves product faster and more effectively than anything else. And, and, and it's the same with the music industry. There are, there are literally certain chords that if you play in a certain progression, it's supposed to spark happiness. Here's a random fact, one for the road, I guess. But if, if you go to a casino, which I haven't been to, um, but if you did, uh, if you go to a casino, the, the machines play a certain chord that produces happiness because it, it's proven that the brain reacts to a certain number of progressions of, of, of melodies in such a way that breeds happiness. And that in turn causes people to place more money in the machines, which in turn keeps them, keeps them going and keeps them spending money. So th- there's a huge amount of science behind this, and there's a huge amount uh, of research that goes into this. But it, it, this is, somebody uh, once uh, said this on when I was listening to a podcast, but, but music is one of the few things that existed before we did. Uh, you know, because if you have a look at the book of Revelation and John's account of it, there always seems to be an incredible amount of music happening in heaven. And in fact, the person who was in charge of organizing the music was actually Satan himself. He was in charge of the music. So it seems to me that heaven is a very musical place, obviously, before his fall. But you know, for over 2,000 years, 
there's been people meeting in buildings not dissimilar to this. It may have been in people's houses. They may have been in other areas. But, but there are people meeting in buildings. And, and, and part of their uh, worship or part of their expression to God has involved song. It has involved singing. Why is that? Why is it that for 2,000 years, and it even predates the birth of the church, that, 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 that God has incorporated singing with his people? You know, it's, it's always seemed to be what, what God has done. Over 600 references in both the Old and New Testament to singing or creating song or, or creating music. Uh, some of the most significant moments in biblical history are not necessarily the great battles, but, but how music influenced. Uh, music was such a pivotal part of the Battle of Jericho. It wasn't actually a battle. The children of Israel walked around the, the city seven times and then blew their horns to create music. Uh, Zephaniah says that God rejoices over us with singing and dancing. Um, but, and and, and uh, in, in terms of the people that were tasked with making music, it, it was actually a subsect of the priesthood that would make music. Music, such was the importance placed on it that the priests were actually in charge of music. And there's been a couple of pastors that have t- tried their hand at song leading. Um, so there's people calling to bring it back. Uh, not, not me necessarily, but um, hey, that's all good. Ooh, I'll just turn off my iPad. It's a new iPad, so I apologize if it's making noises. <laughs> Stop messaging me, people. Um, yeah, so, and, and like I said before, John records distinctly the harps of heaven and, and how harpists would be singing throughout heaven. Walter Landor says this, that music is God's gift to man, the only art of heaven given to earth, the only art of earth that we take to heaven. I'll say that again. It says, music is God's gift to man, the only art of heaven given to earth, and the only art of earth we take to heaven. I'll let that sink in for a moment. And, and before I go any further, I want to answer this common misconception. Is worship music and is music worship? And, and I want to answer this question but with a resounding no. This is not worship. It is part of worship. It is not worship itself. The two are not synonymous. But I want to put to you that singing is an incredibly important and profound part of worship. It's like saying that rugby league is football. Now, rugby league is a form of football, but it is not all football. There are many codes. There are many types. You've got AFL. You've got rugby union. You've even got the round ball, which some might even say is the real football. Uh, but I know which crowd I'm, I'm in. And so, so this is not worship, it is a part of worship, and I actually believe that it is an incredibly important part of worship, and we shouldn't remove it because it isn't worship itself, but it is not itself worship. Worship is essentially the uplifting and the edification of God. It, it is putting God in His place, giving true place to God, giving true place to His majesty. That is what worship is, and we can do that in song, but it is not solely in song. And, uh, and, you know, Paul mentions to, when we talk about worship, you know, singing spiritual songs and psalms and hymns, uh, he talks about that, but, but worship is not the singing of the songs, it is the elevation of God. 
to sing praise and to sing worship is to elevate God, but that is not the single way in which we elevate God. It can be multifaceted. And so I want to have a, I want to have a look at, at where we get our term praise and worship. Because uh, the translation that we kind of translate it into English is perhaps a little crude in, in that we, we've kind of taken uh, what was multifaceted and, and multi, multi-dimensional. We've taken that and we've just kind of lumped it with two words, praise and worship. There are seven words in the Hebrew text that, that define what we would term praise and worship. So I want to have a look at the seven of them, and then un- as we unpack them, you'll see why we do the things that we do. You know, why did you see people raising their hands? What, what, what's the significance of that? So uh, the Hebrews, they've got seven, and of the seven, four of them relate to making noise or music. The first one is halal. Now I'm going to get Cabri to kind of define what halal is. It's not, it's not the certification of the food. It's, it's not that at all. It's not the way you kill your meat. It's, it's the way, it, it, it's, it, it's the root word that we get hallelujah from. And so it's not, it's not an Islamic word. It, it's where we get this word hallelujah. And it literally means, it's there, halal. It, it literally means to boast, to show, to celebrate, and to be clamorously foolish. That is what it is to halal. And so that's why we have no shame when it comes to singing to God, because it's, we are boasting in His majesty. We, we are celebrating who He is, and we're clamorously foolish in our expression of this. Now, when David, when the presence of God was coming to Israel in the form of the Ark of the Covenant, David was halal. He was he was uh, clamorously foolish to the point that he was running around in his jocks worshipping God because he was so overwhelmed of who he was. Now that is a halal expression of worship. So next time you see halal, let's redeem that word and realize that it's actually talking about the worship of God. It's not talking about how the food is. And so when you think of halal, think of that's how I worship God. To yadah, the second, the second word that um, the Hebrews use when they talk about praise and worship is yada. Everybody say it, yada. It's not like yada. It's yada. Um, <laughs> so you've got to enunciate the a because there's um, a couple of kids that go to, that go to their brothers and sisters. Yada. No, mum. It's just it's a way that I praise and worship God. It's not. <laughs> it literally means to throw out a hand. Or to lift our hands. That, that's, that's why it's to throw out a hand in, in reverence to God, to, to throw it out uh, in, in an expression of love, in an expression of, of, of an intense emotion towards God. That's to yadah Him. And uh, now the next word is tada. So you've got yada and Tada, and it's not like just kind of more. Uh, it's, it's same same root word actually that we do get yada from, but it's it's used more specifically. It, it's actually to raise your hands and to reach toward God for that which has not yet come to pass. 
It's to, it, it's to reach into God in the expectation that he is going to meet our needs. That is what it means to tadar God. It's that I know that he has my best interest at heart, so I am going to reach out my hands in the expectation that they're going to be filled. The, the symbol for, t- for tadar was to almost be like this, to be, to, to be in a receiving mode so that, that God would lay into our lap that which we have been expecting that's which we are waiting for. That's what it is to tadar God. The next one is Shabbat. Turn to the person and say Shabbat. Now, just wipe the spit off your forehead. But to Shabbat God is to shout in a loud tone, to command or to shout in triumph. And here's the deal. Why do we clap and give God praise at the end of the song. It's not because we're just like, oh my gosh, this is so awkward. How can we get out of this? It's because this, we are shabaching God. It's the loud shout of triumph. And so when we say, let's give God a praise, it's not going, oh, they, they honestly don't know how to land this. It's because this is actually an important part of praise and worship to God. It is, it is to, to shout in triumph, to shout boldly that God has the victory. So I just feel like everybody's going to leave really educated and, uh, and just really edified by this, but everybody's probably going to leave with spit on their face as well. Um, now, next word is Barach. Everybody say Barach. Now, Barack is an African-American president, served two terms. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Same spelling. Uh, Barack literally means to bow down or to salute. So, so it, it, it's to come low in reverence to who he is. Whereas the, the other forms of worship, it's reaching into, it's reaching towards. To Barak is to just kneel and, and, and be uh, absolutely still in reverence to who he is. And I think sometimes we've missed this. To, 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 to be so overwhelmed by who he is, to just literally the, all that we can do is to kneel in honor and, and, and the glorious nature of, of who God is. I think sometimes we miss that. And, and when, you, when, you think of, when you think of the great art that's been commissioned uh, in, un, in the name of the church, this is the same. Uh, it's the same type of worship because it's to and it's people using their gift to give honor to to God. And so, like all of the stained glass windows, it, it speaks to the reverence and the nature of God. And so I think that, you know, it's a form of worship. It's it's the way that the Hebrews understood worship, to just simply kneel and and just be in awe and in honor of his presence. The last one is to zamar. And to zamar literally means to pluck a stringed instrument, a joyful expression of playing an instrument unto the Lord. So the guitar is not a new phenomenon. It's been it's been around for ages to to play a stringed instrument and enjoy to the Lord has been around since the beginning. Sorry, I've got one more. Yeah, so so it's a stringed instrument. It's to make music and and an instrument unto the Lord. And then the last one is tehillah. 
It's from the same word, root word that we get, halal, but it's used to, to describe the singing of spiritual songs, or, or we would term them as hymns, or, or like the, the four that we have just sung. They would be termed as, that would be a tehillah, where, where, where we're defining and declaring his majesty. And so that's the biblical framework. That, that's kind of where we come from when, it, when we're talking about uh, how we sing, why we sing, and why we play instruments. It's not just to fill time. It's not just so that we seem cool. Uh, it, it actually has a biblical perspective and a biblical standpoint. So that's, I guess, the theological framework of why God uses music. But I want to have a look at the scientific part of it. It says, uh, so listening and playing music actually releases, releases the chemical dopamine into the brain, which, which is the same chemical that gets released when eating chocolate or during sex or when you, finish, when, when you, when you complete a run or you complete a type of exercise. So young people, if you're struggling, just go and sing together. Um, that's, that's the best advice you'll ever get. Just go and have a sing sesh. Instead of going and making out, just go and have a bit of a song together. Karaoke. It's biblical. Um, but it actually, because do, dopamine actually releases that chemical into the brain. It, it, it releases it. And so we actually get the same, uh, the same chemical going on in the brain. And, uh, but but it, doesn't, it doesn't just stop there. So that's, that's the reaction to, to when we hear a song that we like, which is why so many people don't like the music of today's era. They like the music that they listen to. Because at that point when the brain was forming, the dopamine was released and it actually uh, it, it created a code whereby it would repeat. Whenever they heard that song, it would equate to dopamine being released in the brain. And that's why Older people don't necessarily like the younger people's music, and younger people don't necessarily like the older people's music because our brains are conditioned when we hear music. But it's not just that. It's actually been found in a, in a study that uh, has been published that music is intrinsically linked to a person's memory as well. Uh, it, it was, there was a, a study done in which Alzheimer's patients were played songs from the, the, the top 100 from the age of 5 to the age of 30. And what it found was that where the, previously, where the part of the brain that uh, was associated with memory was, was usually dormant, when they heard a song from that era, it triggered a chemical reaction in that part of the brain. And so it actually, and what the, the scientists refer to as autobiographical episodes, whereby they would remember parts of their life that related to that piece of music or that particular song. And, uh, and so whereas they couldn't necessarily go back and remember those things, it would release vivid memories because of the attachment to the song. So we've got the theological framework. We've got the scientific framework. Why should we sing? How does it all fit? You know, and, and it's, it's because the, that we, when we sing the songs that we've sung tonight, I actually believe that, that what the biblical framework and, and the scientific, scientific framework bear out is that when we sing, it's the rare time when our emotions line up with our cognition. Our emotions and our brain are engaged 
and also we are edifying our Father in heaven. We are giving glory to Him. So for, the fir- for, for one of the rare times in our lives, all three parts of our body are, uh, all three parts of our person are engaged. We have our emotional person because that, that's the part of the brain that it's, it's working on. We have our, 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 I guess, our physical self in that we actually have to speak out the words or, or sing out the words or play the instrument and we are giving glory to God. So for a rare moment, the three parts of our person are all engaged. Why, do, why does God use music? Because it's one of the few times when all three parts of us are involved. And, and so why should we sing? It's because there, in, in these opportunities, in, in these songs, we can actually connect with God. We, we can connect our emotions with Him. We can connect our physical self with Him. And, and all three are in line. All three line up. That's why we sing. Because it's, in, in that moment, there can be a drop that stays with us, not for two days, not for 10 days, but for a lifetime. Because it all lines up. It all, all ducks are in a row. And uh, so I want to give you three R's as, and to kind of go back to Paul's scripture as to why when we gather together, we should be a part of the singing component, be part of the, the worship in terms of song. So I want to give you three R's. And uh, the first one is remember. Singing actually helps us remember God's word. And, uh, and, and the, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've been reading scripture, particularly in Psalms, and, and I'm reading this scripture and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a song. This, this is, they've, they've copied a song here, but it's actually the opposite way around. That's, that's like, most people are like, oh gee, you seem to know a lot of scripture. The truth is, I just knew a lot of songs. And uh, growing up in church kind of gives you that opportunity. I'm like, oh, that just, that, that's scripture? Yeah, yeah, I knew that was scripture. To me, it was just a song. And uh, see, I'll give you an example. You may not necessarily know that this is scripture, but Boney M released a song, By the Rivers of Babylon. And uh, you know, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, and yeah, so we wept and remembered Zion. That's actually scripture. Now, I can literally quote that scripture. It's not because I've sat there meditating on it and just, it's because I know the song. And, and, and in the same way, singing actually helps us cement scripture because we may not necessarily know that it's scriptural, but if, if you know, when, when, when all our three persons align, it can drop something into our spirit. And, uh, you know, you, don't, you may not know this, but that song that we just sung before, the song Pursue, there's a line in it, and it says this. It talks about, you know, you go before us. That's a scriptural, that's a scriptural idea. In, in Scripture, 13 times it appears that God goes before us. Now, we've actually applied a scriptural, biblical truth in singing that, and you may not even know. And, and, and that's the power of why we sing is because you don't know when that comes out. When the pressure comes, when the squeeze comes, what's going to come out is what went in. And so that's why we need to be uh, very deliberate in the fact that when we come into the time when we get to sing, that, that we're concentrating and we're cognitive of what's going on. You know, because when we engage in it, because you can be here and not be here. You can, you can be here and you can sing the words, but not be here. But, but when you actually engage in it, something lodges in your heart. 
And, uh, and you don't know when it's for, but the chances are it will come up. And if you don't engage, that doesn't lodge in your heart. And so that's why we sing. Second R is that singing and making music helps us respond to God's grace. Uh, you know, I've heard people say that we need to keep emotion out of, uh, out of our songs when we sing to God because we need to make sure that we're capturing His reverence, we're capturing, his, uh, you know, we're capturing the awe of who He is. I actually think that God created us as human beings with emotion. And I think that we should be putting our emotion in when we sing to Him. And that's why singing is so important. It's because it gives us an opportunity to convey our emotion to Him in such a powerful and a poignant way. I don't know if there's any ladies or gentlemen here that have been serenaded, but but to be serenaded, actually, it's a bit deeper than if you were just to have a conversation with somebody off those palm cards because music actually has the, the ability to bypass and, and makes us emotional. And, and so when we respond to God's grace, surely it should be with singing. Surely it should be with the joy that, uh, you know, that, that we relate to singing. If the singers and musicians could join me because we're going to practice what I preach. Uh, and uh, the last one is to reflect, to reflect who God is. See, we don't just sing to fill time. We don't just sing to, to, to get the service started so that by the time the preacher gets up here, the service is full. We actually sing because all three members of the Trinity sing. I said at the beginning that, that God, sing, God rejoices over us with singing and with dancing. It's, 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 not, just, it's not just flippant. That there's actually a deliberate nature in why we do this. See, when we get to heaven, there's very few things that we're going to be doing that we did here on earth. But one of them is singing. And one of them is making music to Him. And so, you know, you might be here tonight and you might say, well, you know, I'm not a good singer. God never, and, and never in Scripture does it say, if you're a good singer, then sing praises to Him. It, it, it's because... It, it, because it's the same for everybody. You know, singing and music is one of those things that is, it, it's primal, it's transcendent, it, it relates to everybody. And, and no, matter, no matter the spectrum of your ability, it still has the same power. It, it's not your ability. It, people say, has God, oh, God hasn't given me a good voice, but He's given you a song. And, and, and you know we need to be we need to be people who sing his song to sing his praises that that song by the rivers of Babylon where we sat down uh, and hey, we wept when we remembered Zion but the scripture actually talks about uh, it, what what had happened is that the captors that had taken the Jewish people away they said to them and they were mocking them they were mocking them saying hey give us one of your songs from from Israel and they said i can't sing the lord's song in a foreign land because because it, it, it's so personal it, it, it's so relational it's so intimate and, and, and the thing is we need to be people that have that same song with god that, that this is my place this is the intimate part where i connect with my savior where i where i thank him for salvation where i thank him for his grace where i thank him for his mercy when i thank him for what he's going to do it, it, you know we, we need to have a song you may not have a voice but you have a song and, and you know we need to be people that sing that song it doesn't matter about the voice we're going to be singing for a long time and nobody's going to care 
nobody, look, in the long run, nobody's going to care if you can sing, if you can't sing, if you can harmonize, if you can't harmonize. It doesn't matter because you've got a voice. I want to I want to finish with this quote and then we'll pray. It's, it's from just the, it was from Anonymous. It says, but singing with God's people, joining the eternal chorus, embracing our blood-bought destiny, standing with those that have tears in their eyes, remember, remembering when those same people stood next to me when I had tears in mine, singing before this world of the only is the only hope that we have in this world. This is the eternal concerto of the soul, the ultimate masterpiece. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 